What's up everybody, GenX Dividend Investor here. In this video I discuss how much cash you should hold in your emergency fund and in your portfolio as those are questions I'm often asked during this time of very low interest rates. So if this sort of free content is something you appreciate then please hit the thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet, and click that bell notification. Speaking of cash, M1 has a promotion running through all of 2021 and maybe longer where you can get a free $30 for opening a new brokerage account, so consider using my M1 referral link after reviewing the details of their promotion. Feel free to jump to the sections I call out on the timestamps, though you'll miss a lot of valuable information so I recommend you watch all of it. Now many people, like legendary investor Ray Dalio, say that cash is trash. Why do they say that? Well, this chart from Jeremy Siegel, a professor at Wharton, helps explain it. We can see that $1 invested in 1802 is equivalent to only 5 cents of buying power in 2011. That makes sense intuitively since inflation erodes the value of cash that's not invested. You can also see why gold is a good store of value, but it's not been a great long-term investment as compared to stocks because $1 invested in gold from 1802 is only worth $4.35 in 2011. A saying I've heard is that an ounce of gold in the 1800s bought the same amount of stuff then as an ounce of gold now, i.e. prices go up and gold follows them up, but it doesn't go up as fast as stocks. We see here that $1 invested in stocks in 1802 would be worth $669,000 in 2011 and even more in 2021. So while you can understand why some people say cash is trash, it's also important to realize that not having cash when you need it is an even worse reality than hoarding cash. And then as we keep printing money, like we have been for years in the US, cash tends to lose its luster even more. Ironically, another common saying is cash is king, but as we just saw, it's not if it's just sitting there doing nothing. And thus that tells me that the majority of the cash you get should be put into protective assets like quality stocks or real estate, both of which tend to outpace inflation. Buffett once said, cash is to a business as oxygen is to an individual. Never thought about when it is present, the only thing in mind when it is absent. When bills come due, only cash is legal tender. Don't leave home without it. So just like American Express says. So why does Buffett hold over $100 billion of cash in Berkshire held as US Treasuries? Well in his 2018 annual shareholder letter he said, I will never risk getting caught short of cash. And he said, in the years ahead we hope to move much of our excess liquidity into businesses that Berkshire will permanently own. The immediate prospects for that, however, are not good. Prices are sky high for businesses possessing decent long-term prospects. We continue, nevertheless, to hope for an elephant-sized acquisition. About his cash, he said, Those treasury bills are paying us virtually nothing. They're a terrible investment over time, but they are the one thing that when an opportunity arises, we can use to pay for those opportunities. So to summarize, always have some cash and then use your cash to invest when businesses are cheap. And when Buffett spots the next great deal, he will open the doors of Duran and let the cash flow out. Boom, you just got tokened. Now, for you Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger fans, a bit of interesting info you might not be aware of. Buffett and Munger were both influenced by Buffett's grandfather, Ernest Buffett, who ran a grocery store that both Charlie and Warren worked at during different periods of their lives. Buffett wrote in another shareholder letter that he inherited his extreme aversion to financial adventurism from his grandfather, who had witnessed many people who had suffered greatly from not having enough cash on hand when they needed it. And because of that, his grandfather tried to influence all his family members and his employees to always have a cash reserve. 
so Buffett and Munger hold large cash reserves, both to sleep well at night in case of emergency times, and as well as to give them the ability to make huge investments when things are cheap. So let's talk about how much cash you should hold as emergency savings, then we can talk about how much cash you should hold in your portfolio. Many financial gurus recommend you keep at least six months worth of expenses in an FDIC insured checking savings or money market account. The more conservative financial managers recommend eight months of expenses because that's about how long it can take the average person to find a job, whereas maybe three months makes more sense if you have little debt, have a good amount of money saved in liquid investments, and have good insurance and such. If you're retired and in poor health, maybe you want a bigger cushion. I like to have around six months myself. Now, all of that is just generic guidelines meant for the masses, so what you do depends on your situation. If you're married and your wife doesn't work and you have kids and your job is insecure and you have health issues, then you probably want a larger cash cushion than someone who's young, living at home, who just started a job at Google. One mistake I've seen is when people hoard massive amounts of cash and don't invest because they're scared of what might happen in the future or because they're trying to time the overall market. When I'm talking about timing the market, I primarily mean someone who's thinking they'll be able to successfully hoard cash until the next huge crash, and then they'll wait until we're at the bottom of that crash, and then they'll deploy all their cash. There are so many flaws in that happening that I'll just say it's unlikely to play out as they hope. The reality is that history has proven to us that the average investor is bad at timing the market, and professionals aren't that much better. Now, I don't consider investing when something is cheap to be the same thing as the prior market timing example I gave. Anyways, there are multiple ways to calculate how you should budget for your expenses, which will then let you understand how much your emergency cash fund needs to be. One simple budget strategy is to use the 50-30-20 rule. The 50 in the 50-30-20 says budget 50% of your take-home income for your needs, i.e. expenses like your mortgage or rent, your car expenses, insurances, and your utility bills, which obviously vary in different seasons. This category also often includes basic food expenses, but it does not include the cost of eating out or ordering in. Food is one of those expenses that can be much lower if you buy non-brand names in bulk from lovely dividend companies like Costco, or can be very expensive if you're constantly eating out. The 30 in the 50-30-20 rule says to budget 30% of your take-home pay for things you want but don't need, like that new Xbox console or your Netflix subscription or things like vacations or food from restaurants. The final 20% is for your savings and investments, like your 401k or your kid's custodial accounts or cash you put in your brokerage. The 20% also includes paying off debt, though they don't count your mortgage as part of your investments. However, if you paid an extra principal payment towards your mortgage, then that would be part of the 20%. I wouldn't worry about adhering perfectly to the 50-30-20 rule, as it's just a guideline you should be aware of, thus feel free to tweak things based on what makes sense for you. Like if you reside in an area where the cost of living is higher, and you're someone who is into investing, then maybe you adjust the percentages to be 60, 15, 25, or whatever. Also realize that even if you feel your job is secure, you often aren't guaranteed that job. Someone might buy your company out. Maybe there's a massive environmental disaster and you're forced to move to a place where your job isn't offered. So it's usually a pretty good idea to have an emergency fund. Here's a chart from a 2019 Federal Reserve survey of bank account balances, including checkings and savings. As you can see, if you're aged 35 to 44, then the median account balance when adding up all of your bank accounts for someone living in the United States ended up being $4,700. I think median makes more sense to use rather than average because super wealthy people skew the average up too much, whereas median tells you basically where 50% of the people are at. Anyways, you should always be logical about things, like if you have a credit card that has a 20% interest rate, then it would make more sense to pay that off before you're investing in something where you might get a 10% return. 
Another budget strategy to consider is Dave Ramsey's, where he recommends the following categories and percentage allocations of your income. 10% for charitable giving, 10% for savings, 10 to 15% for food, 5 to 15% for utilities, 25% for housing, 10% for transportation, 5 to 10% for medical and health, 10 to 25% for insurance, 5 to 10% for recreation, 5 to 10% for personal spending, and 5 to 10% miscellaneous. A simple way to do this is to write down your total family income coming in. Then write down all your expenses by brainstorming them and by looking over the past year of what you've paid out. Then make sure that all income coming in is slotted towards where it's going out, which is called zero-based budgeting, where your income minus your expenses equals zero, and where investing is also considered an expense. Then as time goes on, you track your income and spending expenses and keep updating things as makes sense. I gotta tell you, actually tracking your spending is eye-opening. I remember the first time I did it, I was like, holy crap, we spend that much on our cats? Oh well, those cuties are worth it. Now that you've figured out your monthly expenses, you can calculate how much cash you should hold based on how many months of cash reserves you want due to your financial situation and risk tolerances and such. Obviously, emergency funds are there to help you to get through unexpected disasters or surprises so you don't have to sell off your assets. This pandemic is a great example of an unexpected disaster. Trust me, being forced to sell assets when you weren't planning on it can be harsh from a tax perspective as well as suboptimal from a returns perspective, not to mention stressful since you're probably at a point where you're struggling financially. It's also important to recognize that cash gives you psychological peace of mind benefits. So how much cash should you keep in your portfolio as a rule of thumb? Well, experts quote between 2% on the low end to 25% on the high end, generally speaking. I read that some reasonably wealthy people, like those that have at least $1 million in investable assets, sometimes have around 25% of their portfolio in cash so that when the economy enters another recession, they can buy up cheap homes, stocks, and other assets. E-Trade had a chief investment officer who once recommended that retail investors should hold between 2% to 10% of their portfolio in cash. Charles Schwab has a robo-advisor which recommends 6% to 10% of your portfolio in cash based on an investor's risk profile, i.e. if you're more conservative then you hold a greater percentage in cash. TheBalance.com found some financial professionals recommended 10% to 20% in cash. The chief investor at another wealth management firm recommended no more than 5% of your portfolio should be in cash, and that if you have more than 10 years to retirement, then having more than 5% in cash will hurt your returns too much. Basically, the younger you are and the longer you have until retirement, the more of your money you want working for you rather than in cash, whereas when you're in or near retirement, you might want a larger cash allocation. I personally only keep around 5% in cash or cash equivalent liquid investments. You never know what will happen, and cash is usually good when the S hits the fan. Like, did you know that the New York Stock Exchange actually closed down for over four months during World War I? Imagine that happening and you being unable to sell, even if you needed to. So cash is kind of like an insurance policy for various unexpected life events. Benjamin Graham once said that the best investors rarely are forced to sell their stocks unexpectedly because if their portfolio and management of their portfolio is good enough, then they always have enough cash to make it through anything. Another piece of advice worth considering is that you want enough cash on hand, as in in your house or your apartment or whatever, in case all hell breaks loose. Like, let's say a massive earthquake hits and electricity goes out and the internet is down and Visa can't process transactions and ATMs don't even work. So you might want $500 in 20s or maybe $2,000 if you have a family, but basically some amount that you can hold outside a bank. The amount should be enough that you're comfortable to hold it, but not so much that you're stressed out that someone might steal it. So just a small amount that I hope you'll never need. 
In terms of where to store it in your house, I'd probably Google where people recommend you store cash on hand, and then I'd not use any of those places. I mean, if I was a burglar, I'd Google where people hide cash, and then look in those places. Another thought is that I don't think gold would be as useful as cash during a nationwide emergency, because it's not as tradable for food or shelter, or etc. I believe there's a very low likelihood that an incident would happen, which would cause you to need to have a material amount of cash literally within hand's reach, but I still think a small amount is prudent. I'm not someone who has big concerns that the US banking system could totally collapse to the point that you would be unable to get your cash out of FDIC insured accounts for months on end, but it's possible. The last time there was a run on the banks was around 90 years ago, and a lot has changed since then. Why else do you want dry powder? By the way, the term dry powder first originated in the 1600s because soldiers had to keep gunpowder dry for it to be effective. Cash also gives you the ability to take advantage of down markets or stock sell-offs in a stock you own or want to own. I personally don't like to keep too much cash just sitting in my portfolios. I don't want to harm my returns too much as markets tend to trend up. I've always had a tendency to just invest cash as it came in, beyond my emergency fund. Of course, the great investors seem to hoard cash and then unload it at the right times. I feel like my dividend portfolio is where I want it, so I've been using spare cash to invest into my growth and crypto portfolios. Maybe that will change in the future, but that's what I'm doing for now. I also occasionally have been known to invest in tech startups. I've also had a tendency of giving away money when the markets have crashed, as opposed to using my cash as an opportunity to invest. That's obviously not the best investing decision, but it's one that has made me happier as time goes on, and I found that happiness and low stress are big motivators to what I do these days. Which reminds me, I'm happy if my returns are roughly in line with the markets. I value my time, my low-stress lifestyle, financial security, and helping my family and others succeed more than I focus on getting every penny that I can out of my investments. Currently, I really enjoy growing the social media business, not just because I see it as an opportunity to influence more people to get on a better financial path, but also because I enjoy showing my kids what it takes to create and grow a business. Anyways, I can understand people who hold more cash than the guidelines recommend, because while you might get lower returns over the long haul, your sense of well-being could make it worth it for you to do that. Another nice aspect of holding more cash in your portfolio is it helps limit losses during declines. Of course, I recognize that it can feel crappy when you have a big crash and you see your portfolio value drop. Though really you shouldn't worry about that too much unless you're in or near retirement. And then if you're a dividend investor, then I recommend you watch my video called Dividend Investors Don't Fear Crashes. So, since I like to use data to guide my decision making, let's look at some research a guy on 4pillarfreedom.com did where he analyzed what the returns of six different portfolios would be dating back to 50 years ago. In portfolio one, he had 100% of the total US stock market, like VTI, and then he had 0% cash. Portfolio two was 90% stocks and 10% cash. Portfolio three was 80% stocks and 20% cash. Portfolio four was 70% stocks and 30% cash. Portfolio 5 was 60% stocks and 40% cash, and Portfolio 6 was 50% stocks and 50% cash. As you would expect, the more money you put into the market, the greater your overall return, but that also means you have to deal with bigger swings up and down. His Portfolio number 1, which had 100% stocks, had an inflation-adjusted annual return of 6.1%, but also the largest portfolio fall at 37% down in a single year all the way to his portfolio number six, which was 50% cash, and which only had a 3.9% inflation adjusted annual return, but also the least of a portfolio drop, where the most he lost in any one year was 17.8%. Thus, if you can't handle market volatility, then holding more cash means lower returns, but also less downside during bear market crashes. I then created the spreadsheet showing how if you had invested $1 million into each of his portfolios 50 years ago, how things would have turned out. I didn't assume that you were investing cash at low points and instead assumed you kept holding it. 
and I assume things compounded quarterly with no more additions into the portfolios. So we see that the portfolio that is 100% stocks and zero in cash would end at over $20 million after 50 years, all the way down to the 50% in cash portfolio ending at $6.9 million in stock with still your 500 k in cash. The guy who came up with this also noticed a cool pattern in the data where each additional 10% of cash in your portfolio meant that your annual return would decrease by about 0.4% per year on average, which, as you can see, is a significant negative impact as the decades go on. It probably makes sense to you that during bull markets, portfolios with cash will underperform, and during bear markets, portfolios with more cash will outperform. Here is how the same experiment ran from 2000 until 2020. In this case it starts out with $10,000, and the blue line is the 100% stock portfolio, as compared to the red line which is the 50% stock, 50% cash portfolio. As you would expect, the large cash portfolio does better during huge crashes like in 2008 when we had the big banking housing crash. But other than that, you see the all-stock portfolio outperforms it. So what do you guys do? Leave me a comment down below telling me what percent of your portfolio you hold as an emergency fund and what percent of cash you have in your portfolio. Okay, now I'd like to do a shout-out of people who have clicked on my Patreon link and then decided to support me at the Aristocrat tier, which is one of the three membership tiers I offer, each with varying perks. So the first thank you goes to Deanne. I'd also like to shout-out another new Aristocrat named David. So thank you both, I really appreciate your support. As aristocrats, they gain access to my dividend spreadsheet product that I use in many of my videos, and they gain access to multiple private channels on my Discord dedicated to my upper tier Patreons, including one where I let them watch my videos before I release them to the public, as well as to a channel which lets them vote on which thumbnails I use for my videos, and of course they get more direct access to me. Finally, since you watched this video all the way to the end, I'm going to tell you an investment joke. So did you hear why Ireland is a good investment? Because its capital is Dublin. Get it? It's doubling? Okay, how about this? My friend David was a single guy living at home with his father and working at the family business. He knew that he would inherit a fortune once his sickly father died. Dave wanted two things. Number one, to learn how to invest his inheritance, and number two, to find a wife to share his fortune. One evening at an investment meeting, he spotted the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. Her natural beauty took his breath away. I may look like an ordinary man, he said to her, but in just a few years my father will die and I'll inherit $20 million. Impressed, the woman requested his business card. Two weeks later, she became his stepmother. <laughs> now if you laughed or didn't laugh, then please consider following me on Twitter and Instagram. Beyond sharing dividend information, I'm also starting to post inspirational quotes and images, which you'll find motivating. Finally, please show me your appreciation by hitting the thumbs up button, subscribing if you haven't yet, and clicking that bell notification. And don't forget to join my free dividend discord. It's super easy and fun to chat real-time with thousands of dividend investors around the world. Thanks for watching, stay positive, and I'll talk to you again real soon. I am not a financial advisor, and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. I am only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments.